Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Andy Jenkins. Andy is currently the hitting coach at the University of Washington. This upcoming year will be his first season at the University of Washington. He's had previous stops at Cal State Fullerton, and prior to that was at Oregon State University, where he was a volunteer. He also graduated and played collegiately at Oregon State before getting drafted and playing professional baseball. In this episode, we talk about what Andy plans on implementing this upcoming year for his hitters. Since he is the full-time hitting coach, he's in charge. So I ask him, you know, what what some of the things that you want to implement from a practice design standpoint, working with players individually. We talk about what he's learned from several of the top head coaches that he's worked under in the past several years. We get into T work. We talk about some of the routines that player really some of the best players in the world have had and what he's learned from them. And lastly, we get into recruiting. What specifically is he looking for in recruits? How he's able to identify, you know, what players he should go and watch. We talk about tagging coaches on social media for recruits and if that's something that he pays attention to or is is it something that just blows right over his head and he doesn't doesn't give it any any thought. So if you're someone who loves hitting, loves development, is interested in potentially playing college baseball someday, this is going to be a good episode for you. Andy is a an awesome guy, awesome coach, and I'm really excited for everyone to be able to listen to this. So Ladies and gentlemen, here is Andy Jenkins. All right, we now welcome on Andy Jenkins, who is the hitting coach, University of Washington. Andy, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, man. So you're now the uh, full-time lead hitting coach. This is your first time being the lead guy as as a hitting coach. What's the first thing that you're going to plan on implementing when you get um, when you get to University of Washington during the fall, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, first of all, I'm really excited for the the opportunity Coach Megs has given me in, in, in a Pac-12 uh, league that's super competitive, and I, I think the best thing I can do is you know have a pretty good understanding of what we got coming back. Um, there's a lot of youth. Uh, rather than coming in and just saying, "Hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do that," I, I want to focus my eyes on these kids and get to know them, uh, you know, personality-wise as best I can. You know, what makes them tick, what kind of competitors they are, what kind of people they are, because I think in the in the end, um, whether it's a physical adjustment or a mental adjustment, um, you know, I, I'm really going to get through to each other. You know, when you when you understand who the, who the person is. Is there a hitting philosophy? Like, let's say once you start understanding who those players are, like you just mentioned, is there a philosophy that you believe in? I know some guys are. You know, they, they really want to hit the ball in the air and do damage and other guys more, maybe more situational baseball and, and putting the ball in play. Is there a certain philosophy that you adhere to? Yeah, I think, you know, when I think of hitting on the physical side, you know, rhythm, rhythm, balance and timing. I think if you have rhythm and balance, um, you're going to be on time. And, and that's one of the most important things you need to do as a hitter. Um, I think on the mental side, you know, you got to be confident. You got to have trust in what you're working on. You have to have clarity in, in, in what you're doing. Um, I, I'm not a guy that says you need to put it in the air or you need to hit it on the ground. I, you know, I, I think it's not a cliche either. I just think we want consistent, hard contact in the middle of the field. And and, and some guys are going to, um, 
tell you that that maybe a little bit of loft and maybe a little pull side is is, is their honey hole and some guys they're going to try to probably create more and, and try to work on the 90 feet and kind of that old school mentality. And so um, just kind of shoot for the balance, you know, the up and down the lineup from one to nine and um, you know, the, the core disciplines of hitting and, and then also um, let these kids let it eat a little bit and have a little bit of fun. I think, I think it's important that you, ha- you do that. When you first got the job, um, University of Washington being, being the hitting coach, I mean, did you did your mind go to like okay like what are we gonna work on specifically this fall or is there gonna be a, um, a certain you know some people like want to practice you know really hard and they want to have it be game like and use machines and some it's just you know more so just coaches throwing consistently have you thought about you know what you would want to specifically like practice plans and practice designs to be like once you got the the job. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I've actually talked to coach a little bit about this. Um, you know, I think in the fall, a lot of a lot of programs want to practice for four hours. They want to get on the field. They want to kind of have everybody come in and 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 just be on the field and play baseball. Uh, you know, for me, I think some individuals, some four on ones, for me to really, as a new coach, understand these guys. You know, identify their swing, um, understand their metrics. You know, of, of some of the systems that we have. Uh, that's kind of the best way I can go about my business. Um, having 40 guys out on the field and you're trying to figure out who's who and you don't really have that attention to detail. And then, then on the back end of fall ball, you know, you can jump into those good, those good situations uh, of team atmosphere. And so we've talked a little bit about that. Um, you know, as far as machines and live arm, I like a little bit of blend of, of it all. I think that um, hitting is kind of a chaotic thing. Sometimes I think if you're just throwing groove BP and flips and T work, um, you're really not working on w- what's happening in the game, you know, and making a box adjustment. And, um, and so I think sometimes there's days where, where you, you turn the music on and you let the guys, you know, turn it loose to the gaps. And I think there's some days um, you, you sequence them into to velo machines or, um, you know, even throw some curveballs, breaking balls, angles, and, and, and kind of get them frustrated a little bit, you know, have them make, those mental and physical adjustments that are needed to hit um, at a high level. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned, uh, you know, having more individual time with the players because in a team setting, it is really hard to, to kind of make sure everyone gets what they need. And I was um, talking with, I had Turtle Thomas on my show a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that he said he did that, he felt like really helped him develop a relationship with all the players and, and just made him successful was instead of using the max amount of time at the NCAA allowed, I forget what it is it 20 hours a week, I think. And yes. so he would, they would usually cut that down to 16 or 17 and then they would have, you know, different blocks for be one-on-one time for certain players where it would just be him and a player one-on-one. And he, he really said that that was one of the reasons and, and ways that he was able to, develop a close relationship and the players loved it because you know they felt like they were getting the individual time that they needed and um and and it's like and you can really focus specifically on what they need too so I think that was um I mean it's cool to hear you say that too that was the first time I heard a college coach when I talked with Turtle um say that that they did that when you know you know putting those specific blocks of one-on-one time but is that something that you have like done in the past or you have maybe have seen other when you've been at Oregon State or Cal State Fullerton those coaches do too 
Yeah, definitely. Everybody, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've always been Oregon State and Fullerton's kind of been always an old school approach. I mean, to be honest with you, it's been, you know, we're going to get in the box and we're going to be tough and, and nobody's going to throw a fastball by us and we're going to choke up, get on the plate with two strikes and slap the hole. And I, I think there's some good value to that. Um, but the individual time and, and, and uh, understanding these kids might not just adjust to, hey, we're just going to be tough and we're just going to compete. You know, they, they want to see how hard they're hitting it. They want to see video. Um, I think that's where you kind of got to go back to, to understanding the, the player. And I, I kind of like this idea. We tried with it a little bit, um, you know, at Cal State Fullerton and certainly in my last year at Oregon State. Where it's like a player profile where, you know, let's say Adley Rutschman's coming in in the fall. And we're going to identify what your last season looked like, what your summer ball was like, what are we working on? What's your strengths and weaknesses? What are the drills accustomed to you, uh, you know, on how we're going to attack the fall? Once we kind of check those boxes and how are we going to attack the winter, some of the winter things you're going to go off on your own before you come back to school. And so kind of a step-by-step, um, you know, gradual approach to the development of being a hitter. And then by the time you get into spring, um, you know, you, you, you've done the work. You, you, you've trusted in all the things that you worked on and, and you go there and the next year you do the same thing, you know, Hey, sophomore season was good. Batting average was up. Strikeouts were down. You know, uh, we want to tap into a little bit more power. And so I think it's a evolving um, kind of a player profile of, of development as a hitter. And, and, and sometimes that's just sitting in the office with a guy for, you know, 45 minutes once every two weeks two weeks, you know, just going over, you know, what, what we got, how you feeling, what do you like, what do you don't like, giving them some ownership. You know, us as hitting coaches, it's not me teaching the hitters. It's it's teaching each other and talking to each other and and, and really having that relationship on – on. it's hard, man. It's hard to hit, as you know. And, uh, you know, I think the more uh, humble reality of hitting coaches, knowing how hard it is, I think you see um, – you see the kids understand that, you know, and, and, and not bury them on a tough day or, you know, um, you know, just pick and choose what you do with, with each individual guy. Yeah. I mean, speaking of how hard it is, I tell you what, I mean, just looking at the faces of the other guys, when they come back in the dugout after an out, you see that time and time again, it just, you really realize not that I never did before, but I mean, just how hard it is. I mean, you got you go up there, you're seeing 95, the 98, 99, and you know, strike out on a slider that just came out of nowhere. And it's like you're coming back to the dugout, just like, what was I supposed to do with that? It's tough. And, um, you know, I, I one of my things that I, I think you mentioned there was cool was just sitting in the office and just talking to him for 40, 45 minutes. And I think players appreciate that. And, uh, you know, like you you said, that gives them some ownership, too, because you can tell them everything in the world. But if they don't take it upon themselves and, and go and implement it, it doesn't matter. So what would what what one idea be for maybe other coaches out there listening? Because it's not always feasible if you're a high school coach to sure. spend the one on one time with them is like, hey, sitting down with with a player. When you do get the opportunity, you need to improve in X, Y, Z here's some, maybe some drills that could help. And you got to make sure you get it in on your own time because, you know, we have practice and we have, I have all these other guys I got to worry about. So would that be one way that coaches, you could individualize in a team setting just uh, when you have time and space constraints? 
Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we're, we're lucky to have offices at University of Washington. It overlooks the field. And so kids are passing by to class. They park right there. Super uh, blessed to have that opportunity. But like you said, if it's a high school environment or it's travel ball where guys are coming and going, you know, you can still have a piece of paper and a pen and, and you know, coaches can ask them, hey, go home tonight and I want you to spend an hour, 45 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, and, and tell me some things you want to accomplish this week. Um, so that individual, uh, you, you know, uh, mindset and, and customizing to, to that player is, is happening right there. And then as a coach, you just have to take the time to it's almost like a teacher to grade papers and and, and, and maybe not look at them all at once. But, you know, four or five in a day and, and come up with a plan. I think some of the biggest problems that I've seen in hitters is um, there's so many different drills and there's so many different ways to create balance and bat path and. And a lot of them aren't aren't good for some players. You know, they, they do drills and they don't know why they're doing drills because the coach told them to do drills. And so um, there's definitely some things that are universal, some absolutes. Um, I totally believe in T-work, but sometimes guys use T-work to get loose. And sometimes guys use T-work to fix a bat path or understand some movements in their body. And so, um, you know, just not having guys do something and you got, you know, 16 guys out there doing drills and half of them understand, believe and have clarity on why they're doing it. And the other half are just doing it because the guy to his left's doing it. You're just wasting time at that point. And so um, that one-on-one communication, whether it's in the office, whether it's on a piece of paper, whether it's uh, over a phone call, um, it definitely is, it, it creates clarity and trust. And I always go back to those two words because I want, I want my hitters believing in what they're doing. Cause if they believe in what they're doing, they're going to be confident in what they become at the end. And if you don't have any confidence, man, in the box, you will not hit. And, uh, you know, clarity versus cluster. You know, they've been working on this drill. I don't know why I'm working on this drill. This guy's 90 to 94. Oh, my God, here comes the slider. And now we're just we're, – we're, we're basically making it harder on ourselves. I want to go back to T work. You mentioned that you're a big believer in the T and you said that sometimes it it can be used the wrong way. What what can you give a, maybe an example of of times when you've seen players not utilize the T and, and maybe make it worse for themselves by by doing something specific with the T? Yeah, I th- like so high T. You know, I think a lot of times you start on the high T, you go up, and the idea is you're working above the baseball or you're getting more on plane and kind of going down from there. Guys don't really understand why you're doing that. So what they're doing is they're going in there and they're, they're just basically swinging up off the high tee, hitting a fly ball to center field. Are we working on what we're trying to do there? No, we're actually probably putting in the ball in the air, you know, on a pitch that, you know, we want to, we want to kind of raise our hands and, and adjust um, just stuff like that. You know, I, I, I think the tee work um, is, is something that kind of gives you your ownership on, you know, visualizing in the box on what you're trying to do, working on different areas. Um, but also at the same time, you can over rotate on the tee. You know, you can take your hands back and, 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 and do some things, you know, guys want to hit it real hard and have exit velo off the tee. That doesn't make a lot of sense for me. It's more of, you know, let, let's take the drill where, you know, you, you put, you put the ball in tight on your waist a little bit and you're trying to work your hands tight to go up the middle. It's, it's a drill, right? It's not really what you're trying to do um, with that particular pitch. You might not even swing at that pitch in a game, but it's going to allow your hands to feel the movements of staying tight to the body, 
so that when they throw a fastball inside in the game, you can react and not swing around it and hook it. And so just, Hey, why are you doing that drill? And, and, uh, you know, if they, if they know great, if they don't know, then, then we got to kind of, um, you know, retalk on how we're utilizing our time because time's valuable too, especially, especially in college. Well, yeah. And that's, that's what was one of the things I was going to ask next is how do you allocate time for players to do T work? Because time is so valuable and sure. only one guy can really do T work at a time. I, I don't know what the setup is like at university of Washington, but I assume if it's just a regular cage, only one guy can really hit off a T at a time. You know, we actually are lucky. There's four or five different cages. I, it's going to be wild. I've never been in a situation that, that I'm going to go into as far as the facilities are concerned, but um, you're right. You know, hours, if you're in the cage and practice hasn't started, um, you're, you're technically with that kid and, and coaching him. And so um, that ownership of them wanting to get better on the, on their own, you know, uh, and going in the cage. And that's really when there's no eyes on, on them. What are they really working on? Are they, are they getting their work in and then getting out and coming in? Because if you're in the cage too long, I mean, I, I know hitters hit and, and those who hit often hit often. There's no doubt about that, but if you're in the cage for an hour, you know, you're going to find something wrong with your swing eventually too, you know, and, and you're playing I, with fire, you're playing. No with doubt. Fire. No doubt. And so, uh, you know, I, I like uh, one thing we did at Oregon state a lot, um, you know, under coach Bailey, the last couple of years was we, we hit in space on the field on tees. So when you're in a cage, sometimes, you know, you're working on down and away the inside pitch, you know, out over the plate, kind of just your honey hole groove swing. And, you know, seeing where that ball flight is going actually in space, you kind of line up four plates throughout and got have the off guys shag and everybody's feeding each other rather than just doing it in a cage where you really can't see that true ball flight on, on where the ball's going. And so, um, yeah, tees are old school. Some people don't like them. I've met people and, and some players that, you know, Hey coach, I, you know, I, I just don't like hitting off the tee. I'm okay with that. Let's just talk through it and let me try to convince you that, you could use it in this aspect. And so um, it just comes back to that kind of communication piece. Well, Andy, I was doing some uh, research on you and I saw um, that you had thrown batting practice and worked a little bit with Albert Pujols. And I know he's a big believer in the T. Is there, is there anything, any insight you could give us on, on what made the machine, the machine? Uh, honestly, I can't. I, I, I took a picture <laughs> with him. I can't tell you that I was in there, you know, face to face. I actually do know me and uh, Coach Sergio Brown. A couple of funny stories about that. He was come, he'd come around and some of the Angels guys were getting their BP in. And, and uh, we did sneak in there one time because we wanted to see his tee routine. And, and it's all the same stuff. He started high. He was not trying to crush the ball. Um, you know, he was working on his feel and his balance. He was, he was facing forward. He wasn't staring at the tee, you know, just a lot of the, the things that I, I know probably got him right. And then as he got on the field, um, it was just your, I mean, he was just spraying the ball. And I actually made a bet with, with coach Brown and all our players are kind of sitting around watching. I was like, Pujols is going to be here for the next three days. I, I go, I bet you lunch. He doesn't hit one home run. Mm. And, uh, he's on the back end of his career too. Like he's not, you know, you, you can tell he's not as explosive as he was before. And and uh, that last day, you could tell he was like, all right, coach, go middle in or, you know, I'm going to get extended. And he was trying to and he hit a couple off the top of the fence. But I, I think the point of what I was trying to tell Serge is it, it was not any it was, it, it, that's not what he was trying to do. 
And there were some young prospects in pro ball from around the area that were drafted high that were hitting in his groups. And those guys were just turning and burning and putting on a show. Albert probably could have done that if he wanted to, but it just, it, it, it kind of showed you the, the maturity and the BP that he was doing, you know, spraying the ball the other way, um, working from line to line. And then really, you know, left center was kind of where he was spending most of his time. Do you think that's something that's learned over time? Or do you think Pools was doing that from age 15, 16, where he wasn't, there was a purpose with every swing he took. And I, I've noticed that with some really good hitters I've been able to to watch or be around is there's a purpose for each swing versus just swinging just a swing. Do, do you think that's something that can be taught or is it something that a lot of these guys just have at a young age and they have that self-awareness and, um, and they just practice really deliberately? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's something learned over time. I, I would imagine something that caught the eyes of pro scouts that Albert was doing was just a really aggressive, intense swing pull side where over time he realized, you know, you didn't have to do that and you want to kind of hit to all fields. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things with young hitters that you want to see when you go out and recruit, you want to see some good violent movements. You want to see somebody that has big intent Intent's a big word that I like to use in hitting. I think you have to want to want to smash it. You know what I mean? But also, um, you know, that concept of uh, there's times where less is more in a compact lower body, upper body, you know, doing everything right at 75, 80 is just as good as 110 when you're not going to hit it consistently as much. And so, um, yeah, I think that's something learned over time. And we had a lot of young hitters at Cal State Fullerton this last year, guys that are going to do some big time damage uh, in their careers. I think a couple of potential big leaguers but they just wanted to get the barrel out and about and hit it in the trees and, and show everybody what they wanted to do, which I love, but also toning down the swing and, and, and trying to do that, that big, you know, deep intent to, to the middle of the field, you know, where there's a little bit more margin of error. And the ball doesn't fly very well there, does it? Cal State Fullerton? It did. Uh, it didn't early, but then, you know, all parks, you know, as you get later in the season, it seems like either come in or out and, there was a couple of days where it was blown, but I would say not a field where there's a lot of home runs historically, um, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, I know for sure, not a big home run, uh, home run deal. So are you going to be implementing like sack bunning and bunning for hits and things like that as, as the hitting coach? I mean, I, I see that there's value there. I mean, at times, what do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely, man. I, I think short game is, you know, I've, I've been a, Part of Pat Casey's system, he, he comes to mind the most. I know uh, we didn't have a lot of success at Fullerton, but, you know, if you can apply pet pressure to the pitcher, man, you know, and, and make guys make plays. I, I, I've seen big arms come out to Goss Stadium or wherever we were, and we're like, okay, we got to do something. You drop a bun on the guy. He's a big guy. He comes out. He throws it away. He's just not very good the rest of the game because you made him move. You made him outside your comfort zone. Um, I felt like when we won the national championship at Oregon State and we played Arkansas in the World Series, um, we were looking to do stuff that they were giving us. And as the infield coach, I was third base coach or third baseman, just move back, man. They're not going to bunt. They were more looking for the three, four, you know, run innings, um, different styles of baseball. But I think if you can have a balance, you know, you get guys top of the order, one, two, nine, eight, um, you know, that can create. 
and and then you know guys that can produce and and, and do them in. I think that's probably what every coach is looking for, um, you know. But I think a drag when no one's looking. I saw shoot, I saw the guy from the Mariners last night that never did it. He did it first and first and third, and um, he's a guy that hits you know 20, 30 home runs every every year, and so. Um, it's always good when you see that. And, and all I can say is applying pressure to the defense and particularly getting the pitcher outside of his comfort zone is, is, is where I see the big value. Well, I also think it, it depends, I assume, on, on, how, on how the park and the, and the ball travels there too, right? If it's a place that, you know, the ball doesn't carry very, very far and, um, you know, you're not going to be out there like, trying to crush home runs and you got to many manufacture runs different ways. And what I'm, where I'm getting at here is I don't know how, how the ball flies at the university of Washington, but when you're out recruiting, are you looking for players who fit that ballpark and what you're trying to do there? Like if it's a place where the ball flies a little bit, are we looking more so at guys who can do some power versus if it's a ballpark who, you know, Eh, here and there the ball flies you know maybe are we looking for a hitter who can do a little bit of everything and so that way he fits us a little bit better yeah I I think you're always looking for balance I I don't really care what the yard's doing I mean if if you can get a center fielder second baseman shortstop he's always going to be a little bit better if he runs uh he's always going to be a little bit better if he can skill in short game um you know I think your your the lineup you have year to year is going to tell you that year's philosophy you know I think if you don't have a lot of guys that have a lot of power but you have some guys with good you know hand-eye coordination and it can run you know you're probably gonna you know focus on 90 feet we're gonna try to you know any way you can get to first base and whether that's you know hit and run whether that's uh, getting base stealers in motion and stuff like that and then there might be one year where you got some truck drivers in the middle of the order and, and they don't play a position but you better not make a mistake or they're going to change the game. And, and, and uh, so you would probably take off some of those stuff, but, you know, coach Megs, uh, you know, he runs the offense. So I think one thing that's important um, that I've seen in the past is there's hitting coaches. And then there's the guy that runs the office. And oftentimes they're not on the same page. They might not be in the cage. They might be a part of, uh, you know, what we're working on that day. And, and and my goal is to work together because if you're going to be calling bunts and you're going to be calling this and that, you know, it's good to communicate on who can do this stuff and who can't, you know, you don't want a guy doing a hit and run that doesn't, isn't good at doing it. You know, you don't want a guy bunting that doesn't know how to bunt, you know? And so I think, you know, everybody having their individual swing, their individual approach working within the system of university of Washington baseball and the offensive approach. And, and, you know, I know coach Megs just like coach Casey and just like coach Manderhook um, implements the short game, you know, and uh, I, I think there's big value, especially in, in the college game there. Yeah. You, you've now been around some really good head coaches and who have had a lot of success. W- what do you think makes them so successful? I mean, obviously I know they've won a lot of games, but I guess the deeper question is why, because everyone's trying to, 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 get to that point I think they're competitive you know they work on the little things I think uh you know maybe the new age baseball it's just really easy to go out there and I don't want to say roll the balls but just get your ground balls in get your BP in go get a big lift in and then and then head out you know and and um there's days like that but I think that when you can orchestrate your practice where there's a little bit of uh chaos or there's a little bit of um 
uncomfortableness, a little bit of uh, adversity together. Uh, those seem to be the teams that, that thrive late in the season, that can play in the rain, that can play in the 115 degree heat, that can play in the early morning, late night. You know what I mean? I mean, just guys that, that, that have practiced that sort of philosophy, that sort of mental toughness. And, and, and I can certainly say, uh, you know, Coach Casey Vanderhoek and, and the success that Coach Meggs has had up at Washington at Chico State and all the places he's been has, be, has been because they're, a dis, they're disciplined coaches. And um, there's a lot of great coaches, I think, that are undisciplined coaches and they can get talent but don't really work on the little things. So you think it's more so just paying attention to the little things, being being disciplined and practicing hard, essentially? Practicing those little things. You know, if you want a short game, practice the short game. If you want to be a good base stealing club and have that a part of your identity, which is, you know, a lot of people, you know, call that kind of the special teams in football, right? So if you're going to be a good offense and good defense, normally what separates games is a good kicker, a, a good onside kick, a good guys that are going to go get down the field and get good field position. I mean, that's kind of, you got to work on that stuff and you got to actually implement it in your, in, in your daily, uh, in your dailies. And, and, uh, um, you know, a lot of teams don't do that, and, and, and it shows. One last thing I wanted to, to uh, ask you about, especially you being a hitting coach, and and now I know we had talked a little bit over the, over the past few weeks about you know, you've been doing some recruiting and, and going to different states, looking at players. What what are you specifically looking for? And we can maybe just stay on hitters right now just because you're a hitting coach. What are you looking for when you go and, and watch a game just from everything from – physically how they're built their swing um approach all of that like what are you looking for when you're going out recruiting yeah i think if it's a you know a 2021 or a 22 or a juco guy guys that are going to be in your system real quick um presence in the box you know um you know how they how they take at bats you know uh, swinging versus hitting you know i think that's a big deal for me a lot of kids want to swing uh versus hit hitting to me is seeing those mannerisms, seeing those adjustments to, to uh, whether it's the count or whether it's the velo or non-velo, um, you know, I, I, and then obviously your gate out of the box, playing hard, running hard. You know, I think that's a part of offense. Hitting is offense. And um, the more hard nineties you can run, the more hits you can get, you know, and, 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 and that's just straight old school baseball, but it is what it is. And I, and I think if it's a young kid, um, recruiting has gotten so young. And if you're identifying a guy, you know, I like those skinny long frames, you know, uh, that it might be a slow pull or it might not be a good gate out of the box or a great arm, but you kind of look at it and you're like, if this kid's makeup matches up and he's in a good system for the next three years, this can be pretty special, you know? And, and so seeing the projectability of, of young kids, um, but ultimately, man, I, I, I love seeing, um, competitive games. I, I was actually at a tournament in Arizona and, and they were playing for something you know, big time travel programs that take it serious and guys are turping and getting after it. And that's what college baseball is. It's, it's very different in pro ball because of the emotional three game sets, you know, and, and I think in pro ball, it can get competitive, but you know, you got the Wednesday 11 a.m. game, then you got, it's just kind of this and that. And I think, uh, you know, when you can see kids getting used to that intense, good high school baseball, good Legion baseball, good travel ball baseball, you know, you know, you know, you know, you're getting the right fit. How do you identify what games to go to or what players to go and watch? Cause I mean, you have a lot of things going on. 
Yeah, I mean, in some of these tournaments, you're watching kids where it's 115 in Arizona and they're just playing to play. And and it's not the kid's fault. It's just, it's, you know, you, you don't like to see it, but, um, you know, that's just the circumstances sometimes. And so it's almost icing on the cake when you get to see a little bit of excitement. But, um, you know, obviously just recruiting, you know, Northwest is is where we would like to do really good. I think when you get a guy closer to home, um, that understands, you know, your, your climate, your um, familiar, familiarity of, of growing up in the state, you know, whether it's Oregon, whether it's up in Canada, and then certainly never want to dismiss the California kids that um, are super talented, play a lot of baseball. And then it's your job in the recruiting process to be like, I can see this guy up in Seattle or in Corvallis or up in Pullman um, or this kid, man, no, there's no way dude. he's going to go down the street to Cal State Fullerton or Long Beach and that's not a knock on those guys. It's just a little bit more um, obvious, maybe in the family dynamic or the recruiting process. So, um, yeah, it's recruiting's crazy, man. It's super competitive, and uh, <clears throat> it's a little too early right now for for my liking. What what's the you have a what's the craziest recruiting story that you that you've been around or seen where like someone just showed up at a camp or got signed or in an email out of the blue like is there anything that's just like man you wouldn't we never would have expected to get a player this way you know what I, I actually got a good one and it's Rutschman and I'll tell you why so Adley Rutschman grew up uh, in the northwest um, and his dad was really really tight with a lot of northwest coaches you know Pat Casey Pat Bailey particularly um, we all knew Adley, you know, was a baseball guy. He was a switch hitter, uh, but he could really pitch, man. Like if he would have pitched, it was 92, 93 with sink and an unbelievable slider. And so his freshman, sophomore year, he comes to a prospect camp. And I know he had been recruited pretty decent at that time, um, but he was a maybe a catcher and maybe an arm. And I remember he was thrown at our prospect camp and we're sitting back there and it's like 92, 93. And it's just, he's a sophomore in high school and coach Bailey, who's like a second father to him, basically walked out to the mound and was like, Adley, I'm a, I don't, he could probably tell it better, but it was like, I'm offering you a scholarship. And, you know, he ends up being a beaver and, and a catcher. And he shut down pitching really soon after that, because, you know, you just can't catch and pitch and play short, you know, from, from an arms perspective. And then, you know, the guy ends up developing into, uh, you know, the first pick in the draft and one of the, you know, rising future guys. And and so, you know, there, there's a lot of good stories where a guy shows up to camp and nobody invited him. And next thing you know, he's, he's an All-American. But I thought Adley's was kind of interesting because he was right there in our backyard. We didn't really know what position he was going to play, if he was going to be a pitcher or a catcher. And uh, when he got on the bump and showed us that, it was like, okay. We'll take you. And then, yeah. you know, you had to recruit him and still do that. But we had a pretty good end with the family and um it worked out pretty good for for the Beavers. Yeah, yeah. And for him too. I mean, that was uh I'm glad you shared that. That is that's pretty funny. What about what about kids tagging coaches online on social media? I see that all the time now. I mean, is that something that yeah. if you're tagged or someone at University of Washington is tagged, like you pay attention to it, or if it's you're along with eight other coaches being tagged. You just ignore it. I always pay attention to it. You know, you try to pay attention to all the emails you get. Some are crazy, like kid telling you his life story. Uh, some are, you know, recruiting services that, that don't do a good job or do do a good job. There's a lot of different things out there. But I think um, 
you know, I've seen a kid go to college on, on a, on an email or, or, or a tag, or there's interest. And some of these kids right now, you know, they're, they're starving a little bit more because of the pandemic. And uh, a lot of 2022s, which is to be seniors um, are kind of hidden a little bit, you know, they, they uh, guys were recruiting on video and not recruiting on video. And so I think if there was the normal summer last summer, a lot of these kids wouldn't be available and so sometimes you see these kids through Twitter or you see them tag you in something. And so I think any good recruiter um, utilizes social media 100 uh, percent. My wife, I, you know, I'm on my phone all the time. I, I can't imagine one power five or D1 or any kind of good recruiter that can't just sit there and stare at their phone a lot. And, and it's it's part of work. Right. You're trying to, to be up with players and, and be up with commits, decommits, coaching changes um, because you get in there first. Um, might, might be the difference or, or not. So uh, I don't have a problem with it. Some, you know, Hey, I tagged 15 coaches. I went one for three with a single. I think that's a little bit, you know, come on, man. <laughs> but I, I do think if a guy has a nice hit or throws out a runner or, you know, he's got a couple clips um, video is kind of the first way you can, you can see a guy. Awesome. Great stuff. Andy, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, good luck to you at university of Washington. I'll be, uh, you know, watching from afar and, um, you know, appreciate all the advice that that you've given to me and, and all the other coaches and, and people listening to the, or watching this. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time and, and good luck the rest of the season. Appreciate it. <laughs>